Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com forward slash credit card. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Thanks for listening to the Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Welcome in uh, Thursday edition. Took me a minute. You know how it is as the week progresses. I was thinking for a minute there. Wait a minute. What day is it? Thursday. Football's back. Rejoice. NFL football anyway. The action's been going on all week. Uh, We are coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Uh, As well, we're brought to you by Discover Card. We treat you like you treat you and also... True Car. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Uh, I hope all of you are having uh, fantastic Thursdays as we get ready for uh, the NFL game. I got to tell you, I think the best game of the week in the NFL is Carolina Panthers going on the road against Pittsburgh Steelers. Not necessarily a great weekend of NFL action, but this is the best game. This is the game that I'm most intrigued to watch. I'm excited to see what happens tonight. And I actually think there's been a lot of drama surrounding Le'Veon Bell. There are two storylines coming into this game that to me are very intriguing. One is Le'Veon Bell. There's been a lot of drama surrounding Le'Veon Bell. He put up an upside-down message last night. I don't even know how you do that. And evidently, he's been spotted working out at a Pittsburgh area uh, Pittsburgh area gym 
like a public gym. Uh, I don't know much about what's going on in Le'Veon Bell's world, but I do know this. Oftentimes, whether or not a guy is signed is a function of something very basic, and that thing very basic is what is his value compared to his replacement value? Wins over replacement, right? We don't talk about this a lot in the world of football, but I think we've gotten an incredible test case so far just based off of Le'Veon Bell against James Conner. Right now, the Steelers are in first place in the NFC North. They are starting to play very solidly. And from a purely statistical perspective, they have not missed James Conner at all. I mean, missed Le'Veon Bell at all because James Conner has picked up all of the heavy lifting there. So let me give you these stats because I think they're pretty wild. Le'Veon Bell in 2017 produced through eight games 979 total yards. He averaged 3.9 yards per carry and five touchdowns. That's 122 total yards per game. Everybody knows Le'Veon Bell. He, for that, was franchised, and he was going to make $14.5 million in this year. And so far, he's walked away from about $7 million by not showing up to play. James Conner, his replacement, has produced 1,085 total yards. He's produced 136 total receiving and uh, rushing yards per game. He's averaged 4.7 yards per carry, and he's gotten 10 touchdowns. So he has twice the touchdowns. He has nearly a yard more per carry average, and he has produced 14 yards more per game on receiving and rushing yards. And for that, he has cost a little bit over $700,000. So in an easy question for everybody out there, if you had to choose between paying $14.5 million for less production than you would get from $750,000, is there any way on earth you would believe Le'Veon Bell was worth that money? I think what Le'Veon Bell has done on some level is played himself. He has allowed somebody else to step into the role that he otherwise would have had and prove that that person is every bit as good as Le'Veon Bell and that part of the reason for Le'Veon Bell's success was because he's got a really good quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger and also a really good combination of wide receivers, pretty good tight end too, by the way, but Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster stretch the field and in general, it's impossible to win a championship these days based on the running back position. It's all about the quarterback. And so that storyline is, I think, worth paying attention to. The continued devolution of the overall value of a running back is a, I believe, big story overall in the NFL. And this might be the last game. We'll see whether Le'Veon comes back. If he's actually in Pittsburgh, he tweeted that he was leaving Miami. He's putting up upside-down statements. Maybe he's going to return to the Steelers. If not, they can franchise him for another year. I don't know what's going on in Le'Veon Bell's world. $14 million is a very fair salary for a running back, particularly when you're being outperformed by your backup, who's making nearly $14 million less than you this year. I think Le'Veon's played himself. Now, on the positive side, as we come into this game, guys, I got a couple of stats for you that are going to blow your mind. The other big story, I think, coming out of Thursday Night Football, the best game that's going to take place this week, in my opinion, in the NFL is the rise of Cam Newton this year. 
I uh, had the guys on my gambling show go back and look at Cam Newton in his MVP season versus Cam Newton so far this year. And I think the stats are going to blow you away. So let me run through these for you. In 2015, his MVP season, Cam Newton's completion percentage was 59.8. This year, Cam Newton's completion percentage is 67.3. This is the most accurate Cam Newton has ever been in his career as a quarterback. The passing and rushing yards per game are almost identical. Cam uh, passed and rushed for an average of 279.6 in 2015. He passed and rushed for 279.4 so far in 2018. So almost identical. Passer rating. The year that he won the MVP, he put up a passer rating of 99.4. So far this season, he has put up a passer rating of 100.8. So this year in 2018, Cam Newton is infinitely better as a completion percentage passer. He's nearly identical when it comes to passing and rushing yards per game, and he's substantially better in the passer rating game. Okay, that sounds interesting. Again, that's 2015 versus this half season of 2018. All right, then we went a step further. I said, okay, well, that's interesting because what you can see is, uh, is what I believe, which is that he's having a really good season. What if we pull those numbers and we say, let's compare the first eight games of 2015 with the first eight games of 2018? Let's see whether my idea that Cam Newton is playing at an insanely high level is actually borne out by the statistics or not. And something interesting happens. Cam through eight games in 2018 is infinitely better than Cam through eight games in 2015 when the Panthers went 15-1 and and when they won a championship. Completion percentage. Cam Newton in 2015 through eight games the year that he won the MVP was only completing 53.7% of his passes. This year he's completing 67.3% of his passes. Passing and rushing yards per game, up nine yards per game in 2018 over his MVP season in 2015. Passing and rushing touchdowns, the exact same. And look at this, passer rating. Through the first eight games in 2015, when he won his MVP, Cam Newton was at 814 So far through eight games in 2018, Cam Newton's passer rating is 100.8. I mean, that is seismic how much better he has been in 2018 than he was in 2015. Okay, you might be thinking, well, why do you bring all this up? First of all, because it shows how much Cam Newton is growing as a quarterback. Second, because he's playing in in Thursday night football tonight, and I want to see how he does going on the road against a good team in the Pittsburgh Steelers. And third, and this is the most important part of this analysis, Cam Newton is the ultimate front-running quarterback. He is the kind of guy that goes out there and when he gets rhythm going and things start going well for them for him, he gets better and better as the season goes along. It's not really a knock on Cam, but I've never seen a quarterback who is more about the rhythm of positive performance leading to even better positive performance. And the flip side can be true, too. When things go bad for Cam, 
he can go into a shell and he can stop to perform as well as he has in the past. Seen it happen several times. Cam Newton goes out, wins Auburn the championship in 2010-2011. Remember that season? If you were watching that year, you're an Auburn fan or you're just a college football fan and you saw Cam rise up to the Heisman Trophy and perform like he did, it was unheard of how much better Cam Newton was in November when he led the comeback against Alabama than he was when that season started. He got progressively better all season. You look at these data points. 2015, Cam started a lot slower than he has so far in 2018. I think, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, Cam Newton could be on the precipice of making an MVP run if we're following the trajectory of 2015. If that is going to happen, then tonight is when the Panthers may well start to make their move on the second half of the season, and a lot of people are going to open their eyes and say, yeah, man, these Panthers are actually really good. Maybe we got to talk about the Panthers in the same way in the NFC that we're starting to talk, certainly, about the Rams and the Saints. Maybe, just maybe, the Panthers' year is finally returning to a high level of play in the wake of what I think it's fair to say has been a couple-of-year hangover over the loss in the Super Bowl to the Denver Broncos. I think it took a while for the Panthers, and particularly for Cam Newton, to get over how devastating that Super Bowl loss was. I think it's still kind of hanging there in the back of the mind. But it's been a couple of years now, and the Panthers are finally surging again. We'll talk about that. I'll bring in the crew. LeBron gets a win. We'll get an L.A. Braun update. We've got a loaded show for you. We'll get you some gambling tips as we roll into the weekend uh, of college football and the NFL. And we are scheduled to be joined by SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, uh, who has been uh, obviously in a little bit of the center of the news of late surrounding his, uh, his, uh, his treatment, I would say, of uh, Alabama football players. There's been what I think is a, uh, is a crazy conspiracy theory that the SEC is going easy on Alabama football players, particularly being uh, spread by James Carville, uh, the former political figure who went on college game day and talked about it and everything else. So we will get to all of that. We will dive in. I appreciate all of you spending your Thursday morning with us. My name is Clay Travis. This is OutKick, the coverage. And I have to tell you, as we go to break here, using TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want. With True Price from TrueCar, you can avoid the confusion you encounter online by getting a great price you can count on before you ever visit a dealership. The True Price includes all dealer fees and accessories. TrueCar will show you what other people in your area paid for the car you want. Now you know what a fair price is, so you can feel confident. And your certified dealers know this, so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. Over 3 million cars have been sold to TrueCar users by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. There are over 15,000 TrueCar Certified Dealers nationwide. TrueCar users save an average of over three grand off MSRP. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. When we come back, we'll continue to unpack Thursday night football. What do we expect to see happen? Steelers-Panthers, it's the best game of the weekend in the NFL. It's massive for both sides. We'll pick you the sides for you, tell you who we think we're going to win, tell you how to play it. All that still to come. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. 
Welcome back. Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. It's a confident show. Just running through why I believe tonight's game between the Panthers and the Steelers. Thursday night football is the best game of the NFL season. Uh, season best game of the NFL week uh, I think there's probably quite a few games that'll be better this season uh, but in particular there are two storylines here the overvaluation of Le'Veon Bell and I think the undervaluation of Cam Newton based on what he's pro- based on the performance he's had so far this season he's exceeding substantially his performance in the 2015 season when he won the MVP now there are certainly a couple of guys I think that are that are head and shoulders above everybody else at the quarterback position in terms of their MVP status right now I think you'd have to say Patrick Mahomes and to me, Drew Brees, the guy who I believe uh, should be the MVP this season, are both outperforming everybody else. But it's just worth putting a pin in it and paying attention to it as we go forward, how good Cam Newton has been so far this season. And I think there have been so many good quarterback performances that he has been under the radar for that reason. And that's why significantly, sometimes these primetime games can be launch pads for people taking note of how a season is going. And if he plays well tonight against the Steelers, and by the way, that goes for James Conner and Ben Roethlisberger, then there will be a lot of people who take a step back and look at it and say, oh, wow, this team has really kind of uh, altered what the expectations were coming into the season. With that in mind, the Panthers are four-point underdogs tonight. Uh, the over-under is, uh, is out there. I'm going to take the over. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. I think this is going to be a fun game. What do you guys expect to see tonight in Thursday night NFL football? I'll start with you, Danny G. Uh, Is this a game you're intrigued to see? And what kind of is jumping out to you about the start of NFL Week 10? Well, first of all, good morning, Clay. I am surprised to hear you talking Panthers and Cam Newton because for four or five weeks in a row, I've been trying to convince you to put the Panthers in your top five. Well, I've got them at six. And and the reason they win this game... If they win this game, then I will have to go back and reassess. Right now, my top five is pretty easy. I mean, the top four teams in the NFL, I think everybody listening to us right now has a pretty good sense who the top four teams are in the NFL. And you can argue about what order they're in. In the AFC, the Chiefs and the uh, and the Patriots are the two best teams so far. In the NFC, I think everybody would say the Rams and the Saints are the two best. In my five spot right now is the fifth best team in the NFL. I have got the Chargers because they lost to the Chiefs and the Rams and otherwise have won every other game, the Panthers have not been as good as, in my opinion, as the Chargers have been, but I've got them at six. Now, they go on the road, they look great, they win against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's certainly a performance that demands a reassessment, but I've got them as the sixth best team in the NFL right now. Yeah, and we know how tough the Steelers are at home, so you're right. This is a big test for Cam to see how the rest of the season's going to play out. And keep your eye on McCaffrey. Did you see the play last week where he hurdled that defender? Dude has been on fire with multiple touchdown games, and he's having a great season, which is taking some pressure off of Cam and allowing Cam to focus on what he needs to do on the field. So those two guys together have been the offense pretty much for Carolina, and that defense has been pretty consistent. So I called them before the season started when you were on vacation. Um, Jason Martin, he had us go through each division. When we got to that division, I actually was the only one to pick the Panthers to win their division. I had them losing in the championship game, but I did think the Panthers were going to have a great season. I just kind of felt it because I saw – 
the little taste of what Cam and McCaffrey were giving us last year, and I thought that they could build off of that and have a fabulous season this year. So I hope they continue to roll, although I know Eddie Garcia is a big Steeler fan. I don't want to see his Steelers. Steeler honk. I don't want to see the Steelers get smashed necessarily, so I'm hoping that we have a really competitive game tonight. And you may be right. This might be the best game of this NFL Week 10. I think it is the best week. Eddie, I know you're a Steelers guy. This is a big game for the Steelers, um, who have been playing much better, have started to kind of take control of the AFC North. They haven't been anywhere near the top of the line alongside the Chiefs, certainly, or the Patriots. But what do you anticipate tonight? And what do you think about the Le'Veon Bell argument? Well, first of all, I I am excited about tonight to see – how the uh, the Steelers you know are going to do against the step up in competition? Um, Carolina has been great at home, so now they have to go on the road. We'll see if they can carry that over. And the Steelers traditionally are pretty good at home, especially in prime time games. So hopefully they can uh, they can continue to you know do what they're going to do offensively. I think defensively they went to a very basic kind of scheme uh, and and to avoid giving up the big plays to make teams have to drive the ball down the field and have long possessions if they're going to score on them. Uh, but the defense still isn't great, but again, they're limiting the big plays at least. Um, but uh, James Conner has been unbelievable. Uh, it's a great story. Um, he's easy to root for. Not only is he you know producing, obviously, the numbers, but uh, the story of him and how he's come back from cancer and is just, uh, I mean, great team player and just appears to be having a, a, a great time. So Le'Veon Bell, as talented as I know he is, uh, you know, is an afterthought for me right now. I've obviously not been a fan of how he's handled this whole thing, and it's easy to say, you know, I just hope they get rid of him and never play him again. But I think realistically, if he does come back, it's there's no way you can't have him on the team to at least be – you know, an insurance policy if something happens to James Conner. I think this is a good lesson in general about being able to figure out what your value is. And to me, when you look at the overall production, the fact that Le'Veon Bell believes that he is worth over $14 million when there's a guy on the Steelers outperforming him who's making $750,000 a year, his agent, everybody else, like take your money while you can. The running back position is insanely overvalued in the NFL. As a result, you are not going to make the money that you want. And I think there's a lot of teams looking around the league that are going to be find it difficult to make the decision to give Le'Veon Bell the kind of money that he wants to get. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, my concern would be if he comes back, and again, he's sending upside-down tweets and nobody has any clue what exactly is going on with him, that if he comes back, there's a solid chance that he's going to get hurt because he hasn't been putting his body through the rigors of an NFL season, and suddenly he's expecting to step in and be able to run full speed without any of the preparation, I think that's just really hard to do. And I think it's more likely that he's going to get hurt than not. So we will see. This game tonight, I believe, is uh, is must-watch television. I, I think it's the best game of the week in the NFL. Uh, Eddie, what update you got for me out there? What's shaking in the world of sports? Well, the big news is from the NFL, where Des Bryant has finally found a team. Remember, there was talk of maybe the Browns. He apparently was offered a contract early on by the Ravens, but he said no, and apparently it's worked out for him because he's landed a one-year deal with the New Orleans Saints to be a uh, another option in that high-powered offense. NBA games of note, the Raptors beat the Kings 114-105. to 
NL League best 11-1. Kawhi Leonard returned from an ankle injury, had 25 points and 11 rebounds for the Raptors. Grizzlies knock off the Nuggets, 89-87. Denver suffers just its second loss of the season, now 9-2 on the year, second only to Golden State out west. 76ers beat the Pacers, 100-94. was the Lakers topping the Timberwolves, 114-110. LeBron James, 24 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists in the win for L.A. And the Heat down the Spurs, 95-88. Hassan Whiteside for Miami, 24 points, 20 rebounds, and 9 blocks in the near triple-double for him. This support brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can't be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Back to Clay Travis in the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. We are indeed here in the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. I'm glad you mentioned Dez. Dez uh, joining the uh, New Orleans Saints. The Saints right now would be, uh, at least in the loss column, the number one overall seed in the NFC. I think it's a no-brainer for the Saints. Drew Brees right now is having the best statistical year of his career. I think he should be the MVP of the league. We know what he can do with Michael Thomas. This, to me, just gives them one more clear, reliable option to not be a game-breaking receiver. I don't think they even need that. But just to be a guy who is a solid number two, three, four even maybe, wide receiver to give them some insurance down the stretch, a veteran player who has played in a lot of big games over the years that can just be the difference maybe, maybe, maybe for Drew Brees, just giving him one more security blanket to feel even better about his potential uh, as they come down the stretch of the season. Because the Saints have obviously got a really difficult division. We were just talking about how good the Panthers have been so far this year. If you look at the Saints and compare the games that they have left on their on their schedule with the games that the Rams have, the Rams are in a substantially easier division. So the Saints, in order to have home field advantage, and you know if you've ever been into the Superdome, how much of an advantage you get if you play inside that venue, the Saints have got a pretty difficult run coming forward, let's be honest, where they have to go on the road uh, a bunch of weeks against a really solid competition. I think it's interesting that we're talking about the Panthers tonight going on the road against the Steelers. Remember, the Saints and the Panthers play two of the final three weeks of the season. The Saints go to the Panthers uh, right before Christmas, and then on uh, a couple days before New Year's, the Panthers come to the Saints. So the NFC South, I believe, very likely to be decided in the final three weeks of the season because it's hard to pull away based on the way the Panthers are playing right now from the Panthers completely if you don't even play them head-to-head until the very end of the season. And by the way, the final three there for the Saints, they also have to play the Steelers, much like the Panthers do as well. So uh, as we come up on the second half of the season, I think it makes a lot of sense to go get Des Bryant. You also, I think, have to feel good for Des Bryant. So one thing he's never really gotten the opportunity to do, play very much in the playoffs in his career. Now he's pretty much assured himself by joining the Saints that he's going to at least be a part of their playoff run. I would be very surprised if the Saints aren't in the mix uh, and in the uh, in the postseason. And so as a result, Des Bryant holds out for half a season and then makes the decision, you know what, I'm going to go join a contender, a team that has posted a 7-1 and record. If you're going to hold out, if you compare Des and Le'Veon Bell, to me this is a no-brainer. Des waits until his situation gets better and in the process creates an opportunity for himself to contend for a championship. Le'Veon Bell proves that he's worth nowhere near what he's been arguing that he's worth by holding out. 
two different sides of the coin there on the impact of a holdout situation. Both veteran guys, both guys who have played a lot of football over the years. Des now putting himself into a better situation. The Cowboys uh, are going to, I think, end up ruining the decision of Des Bryant to go join the uh, to go join the Saints. Imagine, I think they play on November nineteenth, if I'm not mistaken. That's going to be a hell of a dramatic game uh, when we see what happens between the Saints and the uh, and the Cowboys. Uh, let me look at that uh, schedule. I'll give you the exact date of when those guys play. But imagine the outcome if the Cowboys, whose offense is awful, such that they had to give up a first-round pick to go draft, uh, to go trade for Amari Cooper. They gave up their pick in their first round, give up their opportunity to go out and get somebody to replace Dak or just go out and get a big-time uh, big playmaker. The Cowboys and the Saints play on uh, the uh, 29th, Thursday night football game. Everybody will be watching it November 29th, all right? Imagine what the reaction will be if Des Bryant goes out and starts making plays for the New Orleans Saints, I think he will. And I think a lot of people will say, wait a minute, were we saying Des was done because really Dak Prescott couldn't get the ball to him? Look what happens when he goes and he plays with an MVP caliber quarterback. It's a really smart move, I think, by Des to go with the Saints because this is an argument I've been making for years on this show now. Quarterback makes the wide receiver. The wide receiver doesn't make the quarterback. It's never been a Super Bowl team that won a championship and the wide receiver was the best talent on that team. I don't think there'll ever be that time that'll happen because the wide receiver is intensely involved in the game plans only if he has a great quarterback to get him the ball. Let's go around the horn. What do you guys think about Dez going to uh, the Saints? Good move, bad move, Danny G. I like it because they have a strong enough system in place and a great head coach. So any shenanigans he might bring, I think they can get past that and he's going to flourish in that offense. What about you, Roberto? You like the move or you don't like the move? Yeah, it's a good move. I mean, he's got a great quarterback there in Drew Brees, but the only thing is if he's, if he's um, in shape enough to to make a difference. Yeah, I mean, I think that's always a challenge. Are you, are you, you calling him fat? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I think football shape is different than physical shape. I'm sure he's in good physical shape. I think the same thing is true of Le'Veon, but it's sometimes hard to just step back in full speed in the midpoint of a season. What do you think, uh, Eddie Garcia? Good move, bad move? I think it's a great move. He's not going to be relied on to have a ton of production. He's going to be, you know, I don't know, the third weapon, I guess, behind Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. Uh, I think he can come in there and, and really add to that offense. Drew Brees, obviously, is a great quarterback. Yeah, I think it's an extraordinarily smart move by the Saints as well. Dub, what you got for us? Perfect move for Dez. Super Bowl contender, and he doesn't even have to get open with Drew Brees. I mean, Drew Brees will find the window no matter how small it is. Yeah, I think if you're worried that Dez has lost a step, that's why it's not that important that he be a downfield passing threat. It's If he can create any kind of separation at all, then uh, Drew Brees will find him. And even if he doesn't create a lot of separation, Drew Brees is paying, playing at such an elite level right now, he's just not missing anything on the field. And so this just gives him another weapon. It also provides a little bit of an, uh, uh, protection, a little bit of insurance in the event that we get any sort of substantial injury in the wide receiving core down the stretch. I mean, obviously, Michael Thomas right now is posting uh, numbers, the likes of which we've never seen before in the NFL. Nobody can cover him. I would think that Des Bryant would get a lot of opportunities because teams are going to be rotating their coverage over to try to avoid seeing what happened uh, to the uh, to the Rams happen to them, which is he's picking up cell phones underneath uh, underneath the, uh, the 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 pads in the back of the end zone 
and celebrating. Uh, all right, let's go ahead. We're going to be joined by Drew Martin. We'll get some gambling picks for you on tonight's game and also college football as we roll into it. Hour two, if you're listening along the show, we're going to talk with uh, Dan Wetzel um, from Yahoo Sports. Major college basketball story. You know we've talked about this, the investigation by the FBI. Now it's becoming an NCAA story. We'll also ask him, he's been covering college football for a long time. How good is this Duke team and how freakish is Zion Williamson is he one of the most incredible specimens, one of the most incredible athletes we've ever seen in the history of college basketball? And what's the projection for Duke going forward? I saw their odds to win the national championship in the wake of that 34-point win over Kentucky. It's amazing. Duke's odds went from 4-1 to one to 2.5-1. to one. That's how impressive everybody thought Duke looked. Uh, pretty wild should Duke be the prohibitive favorite in college basketball we'll talk about that with Dan Wetzel and then in hour three we'll be joined by uh, SEC commissioner Greg Sankey to talk about uh, the state of Southeastern Conference football and more all that still to come my name is Clay Travis this is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio and up next it's going to be Drew Martin breaking down making you some money hopefully on college football and the NFL this is Fox Sports Radio Sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie.net. MyBookie.net is the industry-leading sports action website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take aside the total, or you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score. MyBookie.net lets you play online and win big. Use promo code CLAY when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. Did the game already kick? off don't sweat it mybookie.net has in-game live action on every major league event even esports there's no better time to join mybookie.net go to mybookie.net to open an account and start winning use promo code clay when you register for your account and get a hundred percent sign up bonus visit mybookie.net's website today and use promo code clay to get a hundred percent sign up bonus mybookie.net promo code clay for a hundred percent bonus no deposit necessary terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only void were prohibited. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Never a good look when you untuck a long, bulky dress shirt. That's why Untuck It makes shirts specifically designed to be worn untucked. Go to untuckit.com to see the new fall arrivals. Untuckit.com, your solution to perfecting casual. Use promo code CLAY at C L A Y for 20% off savings. We are going to be joined. Uh, by uh, Drew Martin. He works at Sportsbook Review here momentarily, give you a little bit of gambling tips as we head into the weekend. And Drew, uh, the NFL and college football both getting underway on this uh, Thursday. Biggest game by far is going to be what I think is a really good NFL game. Uh, The Panthers going on the road against the Steelers. I know you got a decent Auburn background, have you ever seen a quarterback like Cam Newton that when he gets on a roll, he's more of a rhythm passer? And I was just comparing his 2015 MVP season with what we've seen so far in 2018 from him halfway through a season. He's been better than he was in 2015. Same thing happened at Auburn. He just continued to get better week after week after week. I think we're starting to see something similar with the Panthers as they get ready to go on the road against the Steelers. You buying into it? Yeah, absolutely, Clay. I, I mean, I, what you said about Cam Newton, I think, uh, you know, his mindset is kind of everything. And when, when his mindset isn't in it, you know, I think he's a very average quarterback. But when he's confident, he's rolling, I think he's one of the best, if, you know, could be considered the best quarterback 
because of what he offers to his team as far as, uh, like you said, the MVP season. And in in Clay, as far as this game, you know, both teams, it's a great game because seven straight wins, both straight up and against the number between Pittsburgh and Carolina. But you, you got to bring in the fact that Carolina is a short, it's a short week and they're on the road. That's a tough bet in the NFL, Clay. Yeah, no, there's no doubt, and that's why the Thursday night game has been handled so far very well this season, I believe, by the home team. Uh, college football, uh, we have had a team in Wake Forest that has not been very consistent. NC State got whipped by uh, Clemson, kind of dropped them out of the radar a little bit, but the committee's got them at 14 overall. That's going on in college football tonight. What do you expect to see there? Yeah, I mean – with with the Wake Forest team, it's a team that's really going to go up-tempo. They're averaging 15.5 possessions per game, and that, that's fourth fastest in the nation, only behind Syracuse, Liberty, and Houston. So you know they're going up-tempo, and their defense is really banged up. That, that's a tough ask for this Wake Forest team. NC State just put up just short of 50 against Florida State. I see them putting up at least that. Plus, Wake going to go up-tempo, throw the ball around a bit. I think that this total is a little low. I like the over of 69, Clay. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, I think I'm probably going to hop on the over tonight as well. Okay, let's move into the Friday, and there's actually a bunch of Friday games uh, that are interesting with Louisville, Syracuse, and Fresno State and Boise State, but then also into the college football uh, landscape in general. What do you think of the big game? Let's start there. I think the biggest and most intriguing game is Michigan State hosting Ohio State. Ohio State has not covered five games in a row. Uh, Michigan State has uh, has been very, very good defensively, particularly against the run. What happens in this one? Yeah, 40 degrees, clear skies there in East Lansing. And, uh, yeah, your point of Ohio State losing five straight against the number is definitely uh, a, a scary thing when looking to bet Ohio State. And, Clay, I looked at your, uh, your picks on outkick, you know, good stuff. But I, in this game, I'll tell you just from a profile standpoint – I kind of like Ohio State. I mean, Haskins, 32 touchdown passes year-to-date, first in the nation, and 11th in yards per attempt, so they're vertical passing. They're going downfield a lot, which is something I don't think Michigan State has seen a lot this year. Most potent uh, downfield passing attack Michigan State's seen all year, that's for sure. So uh, just from a profile of of the type of offense Ohio State's going to run against Michigan State – I kind of think three and a half is short. You know, Michigan State coming off of that game against Maryland looked really good. But when you stop Maryland, all you got to do is stop their run, and they can't throw the ball downfield. Ohio State's kind of a different animal. So I think three and a half is a little short. I'm on the other side. One of the games, obviously, Alabama is now competing in some way against history. They have been as dominant as a college football team can be through nine games. The line opened around 26 in their game against Mississippi State this weekend. Mississippi State ranked by the committee as the number 16 overall team in in football. That line has come back pretty substantially. It's now down to 23 and a half. Which side are you looking here? How much more do you think this number can move? Uh, it, it could definitely move a little more. One, because like you just touched on, it's kind of rarefied air. You know, this is a this is a tough spot coming off of their biggest, most difficult game of the regular season. I'm talking about Alabama in their win over LSU, now coming home and, and right now laying 24 against this Mississippi State defense that is the uh, second best scoring defense in the nation, only letting up 12.3 points per game. And even more impressive, only allowed three touchdowns over their last five games. Uh, Nick Fitzgerald ran 21 times for 66 yards last year, and it, it was a competitive game. He's going to have to do at least that. 
plus the fact Bama just three and three against the number as a favorite of 24 or more points. I haven't touched it yet just because of the the uniqueness of the situation, but it's a tough bet to go against Alabama, Clay. Yeah, I think it's intriguing uh, for sure. All right, two more top 25 games, Auburn-Georgia. Uh, and again, Auburn been very disappointing this year. Three losses. They're on the road as a couple of touchdown underdog. And then Clemson has just been running roughshod over everyone. They've got Boston College. They're going on the road. What do you see in these games? Well, Auburn, um, the Auburn-Georgia game, it's the uh, what oldest rivalry in the South. Georgia offense has scored 34 points in each SEC game but one, and Auburn's offense has only scored 34 points in one SEC game this year. Um, I just don't think it's going to be easy for Auburn to move the ball. Carry on Johnson, uh, now with Detroit, had 67 touches for 350-plus yards last year in both wins over Georgia and Alabama, the national championship contenders. They don't have an athlete like him on offense. I think they're going to have a real tough time. I would look towards Georgia. Haven't bet it yet, though. And in the Clemson-Boston College game, Clay, this is a big one in the ACC. I have a bet on the under. I'll tell you, um, Clemson has won four straight against the number, but from the totals perspective, it's going to be 40 degrees, 20-mile-per-hour winds. I don't think that's going to help Clemson. You know, Trevor Lawrence, young kid from Cartersville, Georgia, the amount of times he's played in 40-degree weather with 20-mile-hour winds is not very many. I think that Boston College kind of shortens the game on offense, and uh, this game stays under 56, Clay. All right, what other games off the main radar screen do you have that you're betting this weekend? Um, you know, I, I love to find change. I think that that's a, a way to win in this business long term. And we got it here with Oregon versus Utah. I like the under again of, of 56. I, I think I quoted 56 before. It's 58 you can get in Clemson-Boston College. But this Oregon-Utah game, under 56 now. Tyler Huntley, the quarterback for Utah, he's a next-level athlete. Not saying he's going to play quarterback in the NFL, but he's going to get a look to make NFL rosters. He's out, just broke his collarbone last week. I think the Utah offense really struggles. And Oregon, since they lost, they lost their best offensive lineman, their left tackle, has really struggled on offense outside of the UCLA defense. They've only scored three touchdowns without him. That's against Washington State and Arizona. So this Utah defense better than both of those teams. I think that both teams struggle on offense, and this one stays under 56, Clay, Oregon-Utah. All right, my man, I appreciate the time. Uh, have a good uh, run, and hopefully all these bets will turn out well for everybody. Thanks for the time, Drew Martin. All right, thank you, Clay. It's Drew Martin. You can follow him, read him at Sportsbook Review. Uh, he's at Drew Martin Bets on Twitter. First hour in the books as we roll into hour two. Got Dan Wetzel scheduled to join us to talk about this mess in college basketball. The FBI giving the NCAA the okay to begin their investigations. What's going to happen? We'll talk about that with Wetzel and more. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Also, we're brought to you by True Car. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Uh, we talked a lot about Thursday night uh, football. We've got the big game going on between the Panthers and the Steelers. Broke that down in hour one. We're going to talk with Dan Wetzel here about college basketball 
and uh, the investigation that's going on, what's going to happen with the sport in general, and also how good Duke was. And if you didn't watch that beatdown of Kentucky, what it might have told us early in the college basketball season. Uh, So we will talk with Dan Wetzel here shortly. But I saw an awesome article yesterday uh, in uh, in the Wall Street Journal. And the headline was, Sports Have Become Video Games. And uh, the subheadline is NFL teams are passing more. NBA teams are shooting more threes. That's probably the way you always played in video games. And so uh, this, this I thought, was amazing. Uh, in the opening paragraph of this story, and again, it's in the Wall Street Journal, Steph Curry is one of the many NBA players who spent the formative years of his life playing a completely unrealistic video game called NBA Jam. And if you played that game, and I bet almost all of you did. If you're around, if you're within 10 years of my age, I'm 39. If you're anything between the age of, I don't know, 25 and 45, I'm sure there's a really high percentage chance that you played the game NBA Jam, or certainly you have played Madden or Tecmo Bowl or whatever back in the day. Uh, but what was intriguing was, and this is kind of amazing, uh, in video games, you did what? You shot threes if you played NBA Jam, And you either dunked or you got to the rim for layups. And back in the day when we played NBA Jam, uh, it was actually really rare for three-pointers to be attempted. Um, In fact, uh, and they have the data on this, which I thought was amazing. In the NBA back in the day, uh, only 8% of all uh, three-pointers came, 8% of all points came from three-pointers. In other words, it was relatively rare that three-point shots were being attempted. But on NBA Jam, everybody who played made between 50 and 52% of their overall points from three-point shots. Um, Nowadays, uh, the NBA has 30% of all of its point totals come from three-pointers, and the rate's been steadily increasing. In fact, I believe last year the Warriors made 36% of all their points from uh, that game. And what is interesting about this article is is it argues that if you look at the evolution of the NBA game, that people who played video games intuitively understood that it made more sense to attempt three-point shots than it did to take mid-range jumpers. In other words, the point value on a three-point shot was far in excess of what actual NBA teams were doing. Same thing in Major League Baseball. It used to be nobody swung for the fences. If you played all these video games, what did you do? You swung for the fences all the time, and it's certainly true in Madden. And I thought this was interesting about Madden. They have the data to tell you exactly what players are doing on Madden, and they can track it over years because it's been going on for so long. In 1993, NFL teams only ran – this was an amazing stat. I didn't realize how much this has changed. I was watching NFL in 1993. I'm sure you were too. NFL teams only ran 9% of their offensive snaps from the shotgun position. Okay, I mean, I think that's pretty interesting. Do you know what the percentage was uh, last year? NFL quarterbacks used the shotgun on 63% of all plays now. That's amazing. Like, when you think about the way the game looks, think about that for a minute. In 1993, the quarterback was lined up only 9% of the time in the shotgun formation. This year, quarterbacks are taking 63% of all snaps in the shotgun. This is also changing the idea of what quarterbacks matter the most in the NFL because for a long time, 
What would NFL teams say? Well, we can't draft this guy because we don't know how he'll do under center because he's a spread guy. He's used to going out of the shotgun. 63% of all plays this year uh, came out of the shotgun. I thought that was amazing. I didn't realize how much that had changed. Um, And overall, the amount of passing in the NFL is up drastically compared to the amount of passing that it used to be in the league. Back in the day, in 1993, which doesn't feel that long ago to me, 54.9% of all offensive plays were passes. NFL coaches now uh, are getting to the point where passing is a high 60%. A high 60% of the time. In Madden, and this is an interesting date, not quite to where they are in Madden, 69% of all plays that video game players run on Madden are actually uh, pass plays. And so the number of fourth down conversions and everything else, everybody also is starting to go for it more. So do you think, and so this, this, this article didn't take the next step and say, hey, I wonder how much of this has to do with the video game generation rising up into the ranks of, uh, of analytics and management and everything else. Do you guys think our modern day sports are now being influenced substantially by video games? I made this argument like 20 years ago, when I would sit down with my buddies and I would play Madden, I would say, you know what? I bet our generation is going to be much better informed about uh, sports in general when it comes to the, the, the kind of the decision-making process because you have to do it on Madden. And as the game got more complicated, my kids play it all the time, I'm too far behind. You know, if you sit out a couple of iterations of video game cycles, it's hard to catch back up and be as good. Like, I'll play my kids in Madden every now and then, but their knowledge on Madden is infinitely higher than mine. They can scroll through plays. They have a better understanding of defensive, uh, defensive like, uh, selections. They understand offensive play sets. They know what works better than I do on the video game because they play it a lot more. But their knowledge and their knowledge base is so much more sophisticated from a formations perspective, from an understanding perspective, than ours would have been in my generation, because we played like Tecmo Super Bowl back in the day. You got eight different options on the screen, or back in the old day of just Tecmo Bowl, you had four options. And we thought that was revolutionary. Nowadays, you scan through, they got 200 different plays, and certainly colleges and NFL teams are taking advantage of the rise of video games because they'll set up their own offensive system inside of Madden so the guys might not be sitting around watching tape, but they will actually figure out what to do partly by playing video games. And this article even says, for the Lakers, LeBron James spends a lot of time prepping on NBA 2K. Uh, This is pretty interesting. LeBron James became familiar, it says, with the Lakers by playing with them on NBA 2K. He even taunted his opponent for slipping underneath a screen and daring Lonzo Ball to shoot. He didn't seem to mind his opponent was a computer. (laughs) Lots of NBA guys... Um, and then this is interesting. Uh, Kyle Kuzma obviously has become uh, on the Lakers has become so serious about the craft of NBA 2K that he considers the hours he spends playing to be a form of high level training. It's like a virtual simulation. Kuzma said it's no different than pl- pilots flying fake airplanes. Um, that's amazing. So do you think? I mean, again, this article in the Wall Street Journal talking about the degree to which our sports, and particularly in both baseball, uh, in uh, the NBA, and in the NFL, has begun to mirror 
what was taking place in video games over the past couple of decades. You throw the ball a ton in Madden. You don't run it very much. In basketball, NBA Jam and the like, NBA 2K now, you take a lot of three-pointers and you get to the rim and you dunk or you finish with layups. That's what happens in the NBA too. Is that a natural evolution or do you think the video games have influenced in some way the way these games are being played? I love this article. It's fantastic. Wall Street Journal. What do you think, Danny G? I mean, first of all, let's start there. <laughs> How many of you regularly played video games? Let me go around the crew. I bet the answer is 100%. How many of you regularly played sports video games growing up? And how many of you still play now? I only play now with my kids. It's not like I can sit around and play on my own. My kids love it. They play Madden. They play FIFA. They play uh, you know all the games that all the kids are playing now. The Fortnites. Minecrafts, all of that. They love it. I'm fine with it because I used to play growing up too. Danny G, did you play video games? Do you still play? Yeah, I played a lot of video games growing up and still play Madden. That's really the only video game that I still play. Do you buy into the idea that as our generation has grown up and started to take over different roles, that these video games have either consciously or subconsciously influenced the strategies that we adopt as adults? Hell yeah. They've definitely influenced everything we've done. In fact, it made me think of my cousin Chris in the Silicon Valley. Growing up, when we would visit him, his mom would always be yelling at him because he would be locked in his room playing Zelda. Yeah, he just he was obsessed with Zelda. He would never leave. And his mom, my aunt, would yell at him like, what are you going to do with your life? (laughs) Well, he is a successful computer programmer right now in in the Bay Area. So that's what he's going to do with his life. And a lot of kids are like that. Their entire life was influenced by the video game system that they played. So this doesn't surprise me one bit. All right, uh, so uh, there's one vote. What about you, uh, Roberto? Do you still play? Do you think sports games have influence, like this article argues, that we've started to mirror the real game around the video game? By the way, not just uh, the, the guys who grow up and become analytics people, but certainly the players. I mean, I, I think you know it's, it's hard-pressed to say, like Steph Curry, the article starts off talking about how much Steph Curry loved playing NBA Jam. Um, and again, it's natural. They got all the data on it. What you do is shoot three pointers, get to the rim. I mean, that's effectively the Warriors' game plan, right? Yeah, it definitely has has had an effect. And yeah, I, I still play Madden when I when I get a chance. Maybe like once a month, I still try to get Madden in there. And uh, yeah, I remember NBA Jam, boom shakalaka, right? Remember that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was insanely influential. Eddie Garcia, what about you? Uh, yes, definitely grew up playing video games. Uh, I still play the NHL video game occasionally. I used to love the college football game before Ed O'Bannon oh, killed that. Oh, that was that such was a, a great one. game. Yeah, that Blades was of Steel. One. Did you Blade, play Blades, Blades of Steel? Blades of Steel is a oh, classic. Yeah, I love that game. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and then Dub, you're a little bit younger, I think, than than everybody else. But uh, do you buy into this that the video game has become a mirror in some way? of the modern day uh, modern day sports that everybody's trying to mirror what they did as kids growing up playing on these video games? Oh, yeah, 100%. And by the way, speaking of NBA Jam, Drazen Petrovic may be the best player in that game's history, at least with a three-point shot. It, it really, I mean, first of all, the, the, the games were amazing to play. But the more I think about it also is – when you played the game, you sort of naturally figured out what the best strategy to win was, and you weren't necessarily being influenced by what other people thought was the best strategy, right? Whereas for a long time in the NFL, it seems to me that things that certainly help your strategy, going for it on fourth down, going for two, 
uh, being more aggressive, running plays out of the shotgun, throwing the ball instead of running it. It took a long time for the NFL, which is a very conservative business. I think people are afraid of losing more than they more than they're willing to risk winning. In other words, I think there are a lot of people in coaching, and I think this is something you have to fight. Uh, certainly in their industry, who would rather lose a game doing what people expect than risk winning or losing a game by taking a difficult decision because you keep your job longer as long as you don't do something where everybody reacts and thinks you're crazy. But I think there's a lot more people who are making decisions. I'll give you an example, Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel has coached eight games as a head coach for the Tennessee Titans. In now two of them, he has made really aggressive decisions going forward in overtime on fourth down instead of kicking a field goal to get a tie, and then also going for the two-point conversion instead of trying to kick the extra point and going into uh, overtime. In both of those games, he made a decision that would typically, like those are decisions that 20 years ago nobody would have made. I think he's the younger evolution of the game. I'd be interested to get Mike Vrabel on and say, hey, how would you, like it's amazing how much often now it seems like people are coaching like they would manage if they were in a video game. Anyway, I encourage you guys to go read this article uh, up in uh, the Wall Street Journal yesterday. Uh, Fascinating article. Again, the headline is, Sports Have Become Video Games, and it's using NBA Jam and Madden and the way that we call plays on those video games to reflect how sports in both the NBA and the NFL have begun to finally mirror the play calling that we see in Madden. In other words, your kid who is sitting there with a remote controller in his hand, is oftentimes making a better strategic decision than the head coach on the sideline with millions of dollars. By the way, I see this happen still with the management of the clock. There are so many kids out there who have played a lot of Madden games that know exactly what to do from a strategy perspective down the stretch to maximize their ability to win that coaches who are making five or $10 million a year still don't know how to do. And I think partly... That might be the psychology of the coach who has not put himself in. A lot of these coaches are still older generation guys, but I guarantee you Bill Belichick has never played a video game. Now, he's got the strategy down, but I think the younger generations that are coming up, they have put themselves into this situation maybe a thousand times in a simulation effectively to figure out what they need to do. I'll ask Wetzel about this, see if he buys into it at all. Uh, Video games, sports video games in particular, obviously very popular with athletes and with the uh, executives and coaches now who are uh, involved in sports. Awesome article, Sports Have Become Video Games in the Wall Street Journal. Up next, we are going to talk with uh, my guy. um, It's a good point, like Danny uh, Dub is asking right now. Who punts in Madden? Is that the next evolution? It's almost unheard of to punt in Madden. Is the next evolution of football down the way? In 20 years, will we see the punting business basically be you know, taken out. It's very rare to punt in Madden. You go for it every time. It is intriguing. I mean, because uh, what they will say, the analytics guys, is punting is a way overused waste of play to decide to give the ball to the other team as opposed to take a chance yourself on almost any uh, circumstance. There are a couple of teams out there, I know in high school and maybe low-level college, that have adopted the we-never-punt strategy. So they just they don't do it. Now, maybe they do it inside the 20 or there's some like subtle variations of it. Some teams are like, hey, we just don't do it. We're going to go for it on fourth down every time. We like having that extra opportunity. Um, maybe that's the future because this spread offensive attack that now is being adopted by the NFL for a long time, they said it wouldn't work. 
seems like it's working pretty well. Scoring's at an all-time high. Defenses are struggling just like they were in college to catch up. All right, we are going to talk with Dan Wetzel when we come back. Uh, in the meantime, we know you're all big sports fans out there. Football season's here. A lot of you excited to wager on games. You can get on the action with MyBookie.net. MyBookie.net is the industry-leading sports action website. Offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, all your favorite sporting events. Take aside the total or even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score. MyBookie.net lets you play online and win big. Use promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. Game already kickoff. Don't sweat it. They have live in-game action on every major league event, even esports. No better time to join than today. Go there and open an account and start winning. Use promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, when you register and get a 100% sign-up bonus. Again, that's promo code CLAY, C-L-A-Y, to get a 100% sign-up bonus at mybookie.net. No deposit necessary. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. This always a confident show, especially when we got Dan Wetzel lined up to join us from Yahoo Sports here momentarily. But first, Eddie Garcia, what's shaking? What you got for me? Well, Clay, great news is a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on your car insurance. News from the NFL where the New Orleans Saints and former Dallas Cowboys star wide receiver Des Bryant have reportedly agreed on a one-year deal. In NBA games of notice, we check the Geico scoreboard. Raptors over the Kings, 114-105. to Toronto now with a league-best 11-1 and record. Kawhi Leonard had 25 points and 11 rebounds, returning from an ankle injury. Grizzlies knock off the Nuggets 89-87. Denver suffers its second loss of the season. They fall to 9-2, second only to Golden State in the Western Conference. 76ers beat the Pacers on the road 100-96. It was the Lakers topping the Timberwolves 114-110. LeBron James a near triple-double for L.A. in the win. 24 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. And the Heat down the Spurs 95-88 behind Hassan Whiteside, who had 24 points, 20 rebounds, and 9 blocked shots. This support is brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And the NHL season continues tonight with the Boston Bruins hosting the Vancouver Canucks at 7 p.m. Eastern. It's our Discover Card Key matchup. Speaking of matchups, become a new card member and Discover Card will match all the cash back you've earned dollar for dollar at the end of your first year. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Now back to Clay Travis in the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Good stuff as always. We are coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And uh, this is certainly a uh, pretty easy thing to do. It is to bring in my guy Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports National Columnist. And uh, Dan, you have covered college basketball for a long time. I want to start with you here. Can you remember seeing anybody like Zion Williamson in your career covering college basketball? Uh, no, there's nothing like him. College or really pro, I don't think. Um, I think he at 285, I think he'd be the second heaviest current player in the NBA. Uh, he's he's a freshman, <laughs> and he can jump jump 45 inches. So it's like Carl Malone. And Michael Jordan combined. I'm not saying he's going to be better than those two guys or whatever, you know, that is. But 
the just nothing physically like him. And it's been stunning forever. It's why he was such a sensation in high school. He's got, I think it's 1.8 million Instagram followers right now because, you know, the kids just love watching him dunk. Um, you know, he's a bigger star in certain segments of the basketball fans than than anybody else in, in the game practically. So um, just an astounding physical talent and really fun to watch. Uh, you know, it's pretty rare that you, you watch and you're like, oh, my God, look at that offensive rebound. But, you know, that's what he was doing against Kentucky the other night. How good is Duke? Well, uh, if they hit shots like that, I mean, they really shot the ball well against Kentucky. I mean, everything was going well. So I don't think they're that good normally. But, you know, 118 points in a 40-minute in a, in a game is, uh, you know, just numerically almost, almost impossible to do. Yeah, yes. yeah, against Kentucky. So obviously Kentucky had a bad night, but it's still Kentucky. Um, but just, just scoring that many points in, in 40 minutes is just extremely difficult. You rarely see that. Um, worst loss of John Calipari's 30-year coaching career. Uh, he coached the Nets, for crying out loud. You would have thought right. he took a beating, beating worse than that. I mean, he, took, he rebuilt UMass. I mean, they were terrible when he started. Memphis wasn't good. So, uh, you know, they, they've, got, they've got the best guys. And, you know... Sometimes, you know, they got they got three of the top five and everyone else got some other guys. And sometimes people bag on these basketball scouts and stuff. Uh, how can you tell who's number two and who's number 12? Well, um, what you saw there was there's a significant difference between two and 12. And Duke's got the two guys, the, the, the top guys. And so um, it's certainly a really interesting team. I'd say this, if you hate Duke, and there's a lot of people that do, it's going to be a hard team to be like, man, I don't <laughs> – I mean, they're fun to watch. This is going to be fun to watch, I would say that. I, I don't recall a team – that many, there aren't that many teams that come along that are this fun to watch. I don't know if we had one last year. The You know, but that Kentucky team with Anthony Davis was just really enjoyable to watch. They happen in college basketball, but not that often. We're talking to Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports National columnist. All right, I wanted to start with the positive on college basketball, which was a really good opening Tuesday game. What is going to happen now with you covered the FBI trials uh, and uh, the FBI investigation that led into criminal convictions for paying players to go to colleges? Now the FBI basically has said to the NCAA, hey, you guys can go start to look into these violations as well using our court transcripts, our records, our subpoenas, all these other, uh, I think, pieces of evidence. What is going to happen to college basketball now? Well, this is what's going to be really interesting. Um, We did report Monday night or Tuesday night, I guess it was, um, that that the Southern District of New York has kind of given the nod to the NCAA. All right, I believe it. We don't know exactly the scope of what they're allowing. Uh, I'm guessing that does not include anything that could be in a future case. Right. So it would only be the stuff that came out from um, the last trial, and we don't know how much of it is not what's not in evidence. The NCA changed its rules in the last few years to where high-quality information uh, gathered by a third party can be used in their case. So... When T.J. Gasnola, who was the described uh, 
Adidas bag man that was paying out the cash to all these players, when he sits and testifies at a uh, under oath at a federal trial, that evidence can be used. He no longer has to, you know, the NCAA no longer has to interview him themselves and try to corroborate that information. They can take that transcript. So right there between uh, TJ Gasnola and Brian Bowen Sr., um, the player basically, whose son basically, that whole deal got Rick Patino fired. You have a lot of information on, I mean, there's a dozen or so schools, if not more, right there. The NCA really go and investigate all of these schools. Um, you could be looking at three, four dozen different schools that could get busted up here because there's just so much information out there. And then what happens with people? Okay, now in the past, if someone came to me, Let's say I, I did pay a player or I'm an assistant, I don't know, whatever, and someone comes and wants to talk to me, I might, I might talk to them. I might even admit it, say, yeah, I just don't really care. I did lots of stories where I call people up and they go, yeah, I did it. We did it. We don't care. Now, I don't know if you don't plead the fifth with Clay because you're like, is this, did I commit a crime that I didn't realize I was committing? Because basically if you make a college athlete ineligible, You've, you've potentially defrauded a university, and there are three guys that are facing sentencing in, in March for that and looking at, you know, a year to more in prison. So I don't even know how you do these investigations anymore because I would be like, I ain't talking to anybody about anything. There's no way I'm sitting down. I would look at an NCA investigator uh, like I would if the police showed up at my door and wanted to ask about something. It is really intriguing to think about. And, and, and for some people out there, I don't think they, they've recognized what took place in this trial with these criminal convictions that this jury gave down. Effectively, NCAA rules were codified as a law. And so if this uh, ruling were to carry weight and be further used as a precedent and other juries continued to agree then what we are seeing is the FBI has effectively said, if you break NCAA rules, then you can go to prison. I think that's something that stuns many listeners right now, that that could be possible. But that's what the philosophy, basically, of this prosecution was, right? I mean, that was it, right? Uh, you know, I'm, uh, you know I, I think there's intent. I mean, there's different things that go into a fraud case, but you want to you walk that line? Uh, I mean, basically what they're saying is when, you know, let's say Jim Gatto, who is a, a you know, middle manager at Adidas, he just happened to kind of control the budget, says, okay, I'm going to send you some money to pay or, you know, a player to go to a school because we want him to go to an Adidas school. He defrauded the school. He didn't help the school. I get anybody, any booster, anyone out there would be like, oh, I'm helping my, my school. I'm going to give them a thousand bucks. Go, and it, it could be a hundred grand. It could be a thousand. We don't know, right? And there's just so many unanswered questions on it. But once you make a player ineligible, and that could be academic fraud, that could be, uh, you know, money, that could be anything else. If that player goes to the school, the school is now supposedly unknowingly brought in a, an ineligible player and. What the NCA really did, what the FBI really did, not the FBI, the federal prosecutors really did here, what they sold to the jury that I think uh, anyone who follows college athletics would, would have shot through this, 
but the jury did not. They sold to the jury the idea that you could get you could get NCAA sanctions, you could get fines, you could have your wins vacated, you could have scholarships taken away, and they acted like this was a just this incredible punishment. When well, I look at NCAA rules is it's the cost of doing business. It's like playing a game of basketball. It's against the rules to foul, right? But everybody fouls. Now, you try not to foul so much you get thrown out of the game, but if, if you commit a couple fouls, you're just playing good defense because you're being aggressive. Everybody breaks the rules. Everybody, you, you look at all the schools at the top of the rankings, they've all been put on probation. Alabama football's been put on probation, you know, six, seven, ten, I don't know, who knows, right? They just build a bigger stadium. Every school, every major program in the country has had scandal. It just doesn't, it, it doesn't exist. So it's like, all right, we pushed the envelope. We won a ton. Ah, oh, we got caught. We got dinged up. A couple down years, we're back. And we go even higher. So I, I feel like they, they sold this idea like, oh, my God, NCAA sanctions, when most schools are like, ah, all right, you know, we got it. Now we're back. And, and, and because of that, I think most, most a regular person would be like, God, I didn't think I was committing, I didn't think I was defrauding my alma mater here if I, if I helped the kid with a car or, or whatever I did. So I just think if, if I'm involved in this stuff at all, the whole stakes have changed. It used to be kind of fun. Now it's like, this dude's going to prison for this. Uh, you know, uh, this is crazy. And so I wouldn't talk to anybody. I wouldn't, I, I, I would be nervous about anything if I was a, a major booster at a school. We're talking to Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports national columnist. What's the impact this year? Do you think that any guys, any big-time players that are currently taking the court already could end up losing their eligibility? Or is the NCAA going to slow play this in some ways because it's such a bad look for them that they don't really want to come in and be the wrecking ball that ends a, a lot of different team seasons? So because of the way the case went down, most of the guys involved have left. They were one-and-done players. So um, DeAndre Ayton, Colin Sexton, guys, guys' names who came up are gone. Billy Preston, all these different guys. Now you still have Sylvia D'Souza, who's at Kansas. He's, he's suspended and will be suspended, and I can tell you how absurd that is if you have time. Um, the other one's name who came up, but without a whole lot of, uh, of backing, we don't know what other evidence has, is Zion Williamson. Um, coincidentally, to wrap this back to the beginning, he was uh, discussed, they were discussing how uh, supposedly his stepfather wanted a house and some money and a car uh, or a job, I can't remember exactly what it was off the top of my head, uh, to go to Kansas. And obviously he did not go to Kansas. He signed at a, at a very late break with Duke. So the question is, well, if Adidas couldn't get the deal done for their flagship school, Kansas, what did Nike get done for their flagship school at Duke? I think that's a fair question to ask. Uh, obviously, I don't think the NCAA wants Zion Williamson suspended. He's the biggest star of the year. So who knows? But uh, the Souza is out. Uh, there's a player at Auburn who's still serving. Not he had, he had it suspended for a, a year and nine games. Got nine extra. Like uh, one year wasn't enough for a kid. I mean, you only get four years. Um, so, but there aren't a whole lot of current players that were named in the in the trial there may be more evidence for them because they were younger but we didn't hear it 
I know you wrote about Bill Self being eligible to coach and uh, one of the players you just mentioned not being eligible at Kansas. I, I have not read that column yet, but I, I saw it, uh, and I know you just hinted at it right here. What was your position on Bill Self? Well, here's the thing. This is the way the NCAA works, right? There are, there are extremely credible allegations and, and evidence that Bill Self knew what was going on, knew what T.J. Gasnola was doing on behalf of Kansas uh, while working at Adidas. Bill Self still gets the coach. One of those allegations is T.J. Gasnola paid the guardian of Silvio D'Souza, who is from Angola and came to the United States and ended up uh, hooking up with a guardian to try to navigate this process. Came, came here for opportunity, and this is what he gets. $2,500. He's suspended. The player is suspended because he might be guilty, and therefore we need to not have him play. Bill Self might be guilty too, but he's allowed to coach. If anything, there is evidence now that, like, right as Silvio D'Souza was making his college decision, Bill Self and TJ Gasnola and one of the Kansas assistants are all in contact, and they literally tell him, um, you know, let us know how it goes when you talk to the, the Guardian. They, uh, Kansas tells uh, Gasnola, and Gasnola texts back, hey, I talked to uh, uh, the Guardian, and, and, and Bill Self goes, how's it go? Oh, it was light work. You know, only 2,500. He just says it's light work and all this stuff. These two are in constant contact and all this stuff. It, it's most likely that Sylvia D'Souza knew nothing about what was going on. Okay, it's a kid from Africa. He's got a Guardian. He's got a bag man and he's got a head and, a, and basketball coaches throwing money around above him. But he's the one that gets suspended. And it's just classic NCA. They never care about the player. Either give Sylvia D'Souza the exact same benefit of the doubt, the presumption of innocence, and let him play college basketball, or sit Bill Self. Because there's way more evidence that Bill Self knew about this than Silvio D'Souza knew about it. But the kid always gets nailed, and the coaches and the ADs and all of that, they get to continue on. Well, we don't have any. There's been no proof. Well, that's because there's an investigation. But when you investigate the player, you're out. Good stuff, as always, from Dan Wetzel. Go follow him on uh, Twitter, at Dan Wetzel. We'll unpack this a little bit when we come back. Also, I think we may have some Animal Thunderdome. I got an incredible story for you. All that and more. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. We're brought to you by Discover Card. Become a new card member, and Discover Card will match all the cash back you've earned dollar for dollar at the end of your first year. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Uh, Limitations apply. Late last night, by the way, uh, let me go ahead and get uh, this news in here. It's obviously serious. We don't typically have that serious of a show. Uh, But late last night, many of you are waking up across the country and just becoming aware of this. And certainly this is something that uh, I've been following all morning. And I want to make sure all the evidence and and details were out. And it seems like a lot of that has has now uh, become... uh, uh, true um there was a shooting late last night in thousand oaks uh, outside of la at a country uh bar country music uh bar where they played and there are 13 people dead lots of college kids there 
um, in Thousand Oaks, California. The president just tweeted that it's 13 people, including the shooter. Uh, the gunman is dead. There were around 100 people at that uh, bar and uh, and restaurant, nightclub, whatever you want to call it, that, that specialized in country music. Um, and uh, there were around 100 people in there at the time. 13 people reportedly dead, including the first police officer who responded to the attack um, as uh, as he was there to uh, to try to confront the uh, the gunman. So uh, this is a story that continues to happen far too often. Again, outside of the Los Angeles uh, area, uh, at this bar, Danny G. You said you've played at that bar before. You've been there before. Yeah, sure have several times. Uh, we have heavy hearts this morning. Lived in Thousand Oaks for several years. And Borderline is known as a place where they would let club promoters go in there and do different formats of music, so not just country. But last night was an 18 and over country bar event. So, And we're getting reports, too, that some of the, the, the youngsters that were in there also happened to be at the Vegas country concert, which obviously had that really bad shooting. So if that's true, that is horrible. Can you uh, imagine sh- two of those in your two incidents yeah, like that no. in your life? No, I can't can't even remotely imagine. The borderline bar and grill, again, outside of Thousand Oaks. And here's the only thing that I say about this in general, is that I have, obviously, we have a big uh, platform now. What I have pledged to do, and you'll see this happen every time this happens, is not make the shooter famous. The only thing I think media can do, and I think you guys can do it on your social media feeds and everything else, is not make the shooter famous. Lots of talk about how do we stop mass shootings from occurring. The number one reason why someone does a mass shooting is because they want the media to make them famous. They want to be on the front page of every newspaper. They want to be the lead story on every television broadcast. They want their image going out everywhere. They want to become famous because of their infamous act. I don't think we should give mass shooters that fame. So what I try to never do is mention any mass shooter's name. We'll do something, talk about the uh, the police officer who was the first to respond there probably on this show. Good chance that uh, that he listens uh, to the show or, uh, or, or is in the area uh, and has listened over the years. I mean, that's just commonplace in my experience. The number of police officers who are out and about that are listening to Sports Talk Radio is an ins- in- insanely high rate. Uh, but you don't give... Uh, attention and notoriety to crazy people behaving in a abhorrent fashion. So I would just encourage you guys, don't share this guy's information. Don't give him the goal with which he went into that place to do. And if we would consistently do that, I think that that would decrease the overall number of mass shooters because according to studies, that is what they are after. They want to become famous for their infamy Don't allow them to do so. Okay, we're going to step out of the serious world. When we come back, we will give you an animal Thunderdome, something completely not serious. Then we're going to move into the world of Thursday night football. We're going to talk with the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, Greg Sankey. All that still to come in hour three. Prayers up for those in California. This is Outkick. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. We're brought to you by Discover Card. 
We treat you like you treat you. And also, True Car, car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. We're going to be joined by uh, Commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, Greg Sankey, here in about uh, 20 minutes. But first, we haven't gotten into a lot of an anim- Animal Thunderdome this week. Got a bunch of stories stacked up. We did have, uh, for everybody out there who may not have heard this, we did have uh, our uh, Indian tiger hunter, Nawab Shafaz Ali Khan, who called in with us. Was that on Monday or Tuesday? I can't even remember what day it was. Monday, I think, right? Monday. So it's on the podcast. I encourage you to go seek that out. We get a lot of questions about that. Uh, but let's uh, dive right in. I've got an incredible story here. I imagine there are several more. It's Animal Thunderdome time, boys and girls. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm just glad I was there. Boys and girls. I thought he thought I was like this ginormous piece of chicken. Dying times here. This is Animal Thunderdome. All right, I'm going to start us off today because I saw this story and I said, my God, this is amazing. So what do you think of when you think of Kansas City? Maybe you think of ribs. Maybe you think of the Chiefs. Maybe you think of Patrick Mahomes. Maybe you think of Bo Jackson back in the day in those beautiful Kansas City Royal uniforms. Maybe you even think about the Kansas Jayhawks or the uh, good old Mizzou uh, Tigers. Maybe that's what you think about when you think about the area of Kansas City. I bet what you don't think about is seven-foot alligators living in jacuzzis, yet that's what happened recently in Kansas City where uh, animal control workers showed up. They found two ball pythons, a rabbit, and also, by the way, a seven-foot alligator. The owner of the house was in the process of evicting a tenant when he showed up in the backyard, walked around, and found an alligator living in a hot tub. Sean Casey, the tenant, said the alligator's name was Catfish and that it was, quote, gentle as a puppy. The property owner called the city officials. They showed up, and uh, they had no idea what to do with the 200-pound alligator. They had to eventually have it relocated. Uh, The man says he's owned Catfish for about four years and, quote, He was a big, cuddly lizard. He smiled all of the time. Can you imagine walking into the backyard of a house, maybe even thinking about getting into a hot tub, and then there is a seven-foot alligator living there in Kansas City, Missouri? That is a ridiculous story in and of itself. By the way, Kansas City allows homeowners to have snakes and rabbits as pets, but not alligators, Uh, and the alligator will find a new home at the Monkey Island Rescue and Sanctuary in that area. That is ridiculous. Also in Kansas City, as if that weren't enough, two much smaller alligators were found in nearby Kansas City communities as well. Absolute insanity. Alligator getting removed from a hot tub. What you got for me, Danny G? Okay, an employee sorting through donations at a Goodwill store in Fort Worth, Texas, made an unusual discovery. You would have died, Clay. This is what he found. I'm going to let uh, NBC5 from Dallas take it away here. Good morning to you, Deborah. The belief is that until very recently, that was someone's pet. 
and that it didn't just simply slither its way on into that building or into any one of the 38 Goodwill donation drop-off sites spread out across the area like this one in Arlington. Instead, the belief is that someone purposely put that python in with some clothes. Again, either on purpose or somehow perhaps by accident, however that happens, and then it went from wherever that donation drop-off site is into that central sorting center where a woman found it yesterday on, of all days, her birthday. But this <laughs> snake was no present. Thankfully, an assistant manager saved the day. I'm the one that went and got James the loud knock on the door. <laughs> and I just told him we needed him down here immediately. We got a snake. Well, I hear a loud pounding on my office door. <laughs> and uh, Randy over here says, we need you right now. So we come over here and we see the snake, like as you see on the pictures, curled up on the, on the black bins that we have. And then uh, that's when we try to get our plan of action going. I don't know if I could work in that job Man. ever again if I was going through, like, sorting through T-shirts and, like, donations for Goodwill and there was a python in there. It was Do you a, think a, that live, was, a live boa constrictor. You should see the size of this thing. Do you think it was intentional or is this another case of snake escaping and they didn't know where the snake was and, and they – no, like I, it's got to be intentional because the way you see it in the bin, they even included its water dish and it's, oh. yeah, it, so it somebody just trying to dump it off and get rid of it. That's the way it looks to me, at least. Oh my God, I would lose my mind if I opened up something and there was a snake in there. I, I just, I can't even, like, I would quit the job. I mean, I am tempted to leave my house if I found, like, a rattlesnake living in the yard. I'd be like, all right, we may have to sell this place. There's no way I would keep going through sorting things at Goodwill if I saw that happen. That's an unbelievable story. All right, and one more here for you, and there's some audio attached to this as well. A dare ran into a Walmart store, a buck, in Pennsylvania, and ended up locked inside the women's restroom. <laughs> How did that happen? I don't know, but Kaylin Broat. 20 years old captured the video she put it on social media i'll let you hear her freaking out as she's watching this buck listen to this so there's a buck out in the walmart super center oh my god oh oh it's, it's gonna run into walmart again oh my god oh it's in walmart oh my god oh my god becky yeah, so apparently the confused dare was uh, banging on the windows of the store. Went inside, the manager tried to chase it away. Instead, witnesses said the dare ran up and down the aisles of the store before ending up locked in the bathroom, where it was then tranquilized and removed by the Pennsylvania Game Commission. Officials said uh, this past Tuesday that they did not have information on the ultimate fate of the young buck. Only in Walmart. Man. I, I uh, yeah, those are uh, those are pretty incredible uh, stories all around. Can you imagine? I, like I'm still so all these are crazy stories. I, I am thinking more. I just can't get the idea out. First of all, whoever sent the snake to the the goodwill, like I think that should be a prosecutional prosecutable offense, right? Like if you do that, you are like th that's not a good prank, right? Like I, I could easily see somebody having a heart attack when they open up that laundry hamper and there's a massive boa constrictor in there. But the guy who's living with the alligator in his jacuzzi, 
is like that would be like my little my boys like dream scenario <laughs> right like that seems like something that such a childlike decision to make i've got a seven foot alligator what are you going to do with him well the jacuzzi's warm i'll just let him live in the jacuzzi like that seems like the decision that i could imagine my eight-year-old making when we're down in florida and we're like looking around he's like oh look how cute this little baby alligator is and then you just decide to let him live in your jacuzzi and keep it warm for him. Yeah. I can't even imagine why you would want an alligator as a pet. I, I don't understand it either. Uh, but, I mean, even from the perspective of also how do you keep, like, a jacuzzi clean if an alligator is living in there? Does the alligator just climb in and out of the jacuzzi as he sees fit? Like, does he sun in the backyard on your deck? Like, I have so many questions about what living with a seven-foot alligator in the backyard would be like. And then, like, do you bring people over? Wouldn't I mean, wouldn't they be like, this is crazy, dude. You've got a seven-foot alligator living in the backyard. Like, I just, if you had kids, remember we had that story about that lizard that was running around in Florida that, that everybody was afraid of, and I said you had to kill it, and it was controversial because people were like, oh, you can't kill it. Like, I don't understand how sometimes you make a decision and your friends don't say, yeah, dude, that's probably not a good decision. I could see how somebody starts with a baby alligator. The guy said he had it for four years, and then it just keeps growing, and you're in Kansas City, and you're like, man, I have no idea what to do with this. I don't know that I'll just keep him in the jacuzzi is probably the appropriate move there. But, man, those are uh, those are three pretty ridiculous stories. All right, when we come back, there's your Animal Thunderdome for you. We are scheduled to be joined by uh, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, uh, Alabama, obviously one of the best college football teams we have ever seen. Georgia going to the SEC title game as well. What does he think about Alabama and Georgia? What did he think, Greg Sankey, that is, about the decision of uh, of ESPN to let James Carville come on and uh, take shots at him over the targeting rule? And uh, many other things we'll dive into with SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. Should be a good conversation as we roll into college football week 11. Lots to discuss in that universe uh, SEC with two of the top five teams right now in the college football playoff. Had two in the college football playoff last year. We'll talk about all that and more with Greg Sankey. He's scheduled to join us. I guarantee you guys will enjoy it. But first, we know you're all big sports fans. Football season's here, and a lot of people excited to wager on games. You can get in on the action with MyBookie.net. MyBookie.net is the industry-leading sports action website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, all your favorite sporting events. You can take aside the total or even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score. MyBookie.net lets you play online and win big. Use promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus. Game already kickoff, don't sweat it. MyBookie.net has in-game live action every major league event even esports no better time to join than today go today open an account and use the promo code clay when you register and you can get a hundred percent sign up bonus get in on the action that's mybookie.net use promo code clay c-l-a-y to get a 100 percent sign up bonus mybookie.net promo code clay for a hundred percent bonus no deposit necessary terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only void where prohibited Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. We are happy to be joined now by SEC, Southeastern Conference, not uh, not the Securities and Exchange Commission, uh, Commissioner Greg Sankey, 
Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Greg Sankey, although I don't know if he checks his mentions now. Do you check your mentions at all uh, now that you are uh, constantly kind of in the line of fire as a uh, SEC commissioner, or do you just kind of ignore social media? Uh, I never do from uh, Saturday morning till Monday morning at all. <laughs> and then I'll scroll through quickly, and it, it improves during the week. But uh, it's not it's certainly not a guiding force in my life, my Twitter mentions. When uh, you watch college football now that we're into November and you've got an early matchup already set, Alabama and Georgia, do you find yourself rooting for the best possible outcome for the SEC being 11-1 Georgia against 12-0 Alabama now that the matchup is already set? Or do you just not even really try and think about what the best case scenario is from a football perspective for the conference? I'm just kind of curious what your perspective is this is relatively new where we've had a matchup set this early in November and clearly Alabama's on a roll do you pay attention to that and root for the best matchup or do you just kind of stay completely out of thinking about it as it relates to the matchup it's the first time it's the earliest we've ever had both teams set for the SEC championship game we've had one side or the other but never both um, so we've, we've not had it this early clay and whether it's week one week seven week 10 or week 13 I literally look at how the the games are uh, conducted, the competition. You want you, you want you want to see highly competitive games managed properly, and that's really the focus. Whatever happens on the field happens on the field, and that seems like a trite expression, but uh, the realities of competition are when a Saturday kicks off in college football, we have no idea what may happen, and, and I'm one who doesn't have a rooting interest. As I joke with people, I have 14 favorite teams. Um, I'm curious, in general, this past weekend you had uh, Georgia going on the road against Kentucky and you had Alabama going on the road against LSU. How did you spend Saturday? Two top ten matchups in the SEC airing on national television on CBS. How did you spend that Saturday? I started Saturday in Lexington, and I uh, was there for for some visits uh, the night prior. And I was in Lexington through about halftime of the first game and hopped on a plane, flew down to Baton Rouge. We had one of those dreaded mechanical problems, so I arrived at the game about five minutes in. Uh, I think it was literally right when there was a substitution issue that was being announced by uh, the game referee. So I spent... Uh, Spent days in two great venues. Spent the day in two great venues, uh, both intense crowds and, and fun atmospheres, and obviously important games. You ever pinch yourself and say, "I can't believe I get to do this for a living"? Well, the the, the reality is, I don't attend games like everyone else attends games. For them, it's fun and a release, and maybe there's stress around competition. Uh, I do do that to a certain extent. In all honesty, it's usually during bowl season or NCAA tournament first and second rounds when, when the pinching occurs. The rest of it, you know, there's a little bit upon me that uh, draws my attention and creates some stress. Um, we, and, and, and as part of that, like on Saturday, you have gotten, and, and I haven't even talked, let me, let me kind of pray, preface this for people who aren't familiar with the controversy. I haven't spent any time talking about it because I think the idea that a league office would be like conspiring to try to get a result that they want is crazy, right, in general. Um, particularly when it's a team like Alabama that so far this year has been so dominant 
even if you were trying to conspire to make Alabama win, it wouldn't be very worthwhile because they've won every game by 22 or more. They haven't had a close game yet. Yet the allegation has come out that you guys in the league office are somehow favoring Alabama. And so I think it's it's a crazy accusation. But I'm curious in general, first of all, how would you respond to that? Secondly, how do you decide as a commissioner when to address things that you think are patently absurd but may rise to the level where people are talking about them? Do you address them in any way? I, I don't know an easy answer, but I'm curious how you deal with both of those situations. Well, the, the notion of addressing uh, that type of conspiracy theory, you've, you've used words and adjectives and adverbs. There is really um, an inappropriateness or an absurdity on a more extreme language that people would identify that possibility. As I said earlier, I walk into a Saturday or uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday during men's basketball season, whatever it is, and want to see uh, fair competition. You want in, intense games in the right competitive environment, and that's exactly what we do. Uh, it, it is uh, nearly impossible to refute what is absurd. So the reality is it is entirely appropriate to debate whether a call's right or not. We, we have that every week. Uh, what is wrong, and we've had uh, any number of media uh, uh, personalities make comments uh, in that regard. Uh, one hopes they're tongue-in-cheek, but it's an entirely inappropriate observation because whether it's myself, uh, our staff, uh, our officials in every sport, we all work diligently to support fair competition. And uh, whatever happens on the field, whether there are mistakes, uh, there are a few of those, by the way, despite what people want to think. Uh, there may be disagreements, um, those things play out, and, and that's part of college football, college basketball, whatever the sport may be. We're talking to Southeastern Conference Commissioner Greg Sankey. How hard is it to figure out the targeting foul and whether or not there should be ejection, whether there should be a flag? Is that the most difficult call that you can remember, both officials and then administrators who are reviewing this across, I think, the NFL, I think certainly across all of college football? Can you remember a call that is more difficult to get right? There may be some arguments about pass interference. Uh, the reality of targeting is it's based in player safety, trying to take the delivery of a hit using the head out of the game or delivering a, a blow to a player's head out of the game. It is a well-intended rule as currently written. It is difficult to explain, though, and even when officiated, creates, when, it, when officiated properly, it, it's controversial. Uh, but we've lost somehow the, the reality that when targeting was introduced at the college level, it was we have to adjust around head hits, whether they're delivered or received. And what has been totally forgotten, it seems, this season is a little clause in the rule that says, when in doubt, it's a foul. So this notion of, well, it's close, it shouldn't have been targeting. Actually, if you say it's close or if there are officiating experts who disagree, by definition, it is targeting. The question is, do we have the rule right? Not necessarily is it administered properly, because we know it won't be perfect, but have we written a rule that can be officiated in the moment or, or using replay? And, and I think that's something that makes your question really important, Clay, and for those of us in college football, and frankly in professional football and high school football, we need to spend a bit more time analyzing the rule, looking at plays that are called or not called, 
the uh, old flag on the field and it stands? Why did we make that decision? And see if there's some adjustments that can help us both explain the rule in a better way and officiate the rule and the game in a better way. I, so what would your preference be? You've got a uh, – the SEC is sitting right now at the, uh, at the apex of college football. You guys and what you believe oftentimes can help to make that the rule. If they came to you and they said directly, Greg Sankey, what would you do to try to address targeting? Do you have an idea that you think makes sense? Do you think you're getting it right now? I have ideas. Um, I'm a little bit more skeptical of this level one, level two notion. Um, one of the analogies is when we had a face mask for five yards and a face mask with a personal foul for 15, the, the vast majority is they were five yarders because you can kind of bail yourself out. You can make the call without going all the way. We've taken care of that. So let's go to targeting. I think some of the language is relatively old and needs to be reviewed and updated. And what I mean by old is the rule was created prior to the current uh, manifestation of instant replay review. And so we've got better tools to administer the rule. So one of the instructions is, when in doubt, it's a foul. So that puts a flag on the ground. And the messaging to officials has been, when in doubt, it's a foul, and we want a flag on the ground. I think that's the right message. Then we go to replay, and we say, you have to have uh, uh, clear video evidence to overturn the play. I'm not sure those two are philosophically in sync. So should we alter our review language to say it has to be clear and apparent to be upheld? That may seem like a little pivot, but it is still a significant pivot. And then we get to what causes the controversy, and that is those plays around the margin. I think we need to be careful about just saying let's change those, but I'm one who thinks we should be looking at uh, this when in doubt, and then let's get the core issues, and are there examples where we can say, look, here's the video over the last two, three, four, five years. Here's these uh, stands type of plays where, yeah, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Are those the kind of plays that we need to eliminate from the game? But understand, Clay, I think any change uh, changes behavior. So I can name any number of games where you see particular defensive backs, defensive linemen who adjust the level of their head. And that is the key message is don't go at the head. Don't raise yourself to tackle. Go into the, the chest, avoid the head and neck area. Whatever changes we adopt, we want to make sure that message remains clear. We're talking to SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. As part of Saturday's festivities, the game going on between um, LSU and, uh, and Alabama and also Georgia on the road against Kentucky, you said you got to go to both of them. Uh, they were uh, definitely big wins for Alabama and for Georgia SEC uh the the college game day show was on at uh, at ESPN from Baton Rouge and I think we have audio I want to play this for you uh this is James Carville uh going on the show before the game and he said this I'm sure you don't have many very strong feelings about what's happened with uh, with the targeting on, on death line here do you no I wouldn't have any strong feelings Against the Tennessee's best defensive player was couldn't play against Alabama because of the SEC. Missouri's best defensive player couldn't play against Alabama because the SEC kicked him out. A&M's best defensive player couldn't play against Alabama because he was taken out. And now the best defensive player in the conference is not going to play the first half because he did nothing wrong. That's James Carville. He's getting everybody riled up uh, at LSU. 
and I'm curious on this in general. I don't know the answer, and I'll play uh, ESPN later apologized for the shirt that he was wearing and what he said. What did your phone do? I don't know if you were able to watch it. What do you think uh, about that segment in general? I was in Lexington uh, exercising. I was riding an exercise bike watching the show on my phone because I enjoy college game day generally, perhaps not that 30 seconds. <laughs> um, you know, the, uh, I was uh, I was disappointed uh, personally that um, those attacks and those comments and, and that type of, uh, I guess, apparel was was aired. Uh, part of the reality of this job is you have to bring your, you know, your big boy pants to work. So you're going to be criticized. And that's certainly fair. What's not fair is kind of the reckless observations about integrity impugning that of myself or those of our game officials and in fact uh, the facts that were shared in that segment were incorrect i was actually uh, more frustrated with what i considered an inadequate discussion of the targeting rule for instance no acknowledgement uh, in what followed that the rule says when in doubt uh, it's a foul uh, and you can debate whether the call that created controversy was correct or incorrect Clay, we have those nearly every week in college football and in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, What's disappointing is no one said, hey, let's wait a second, take a step back and observe. We're talking about uh, the safety of involved players. Uh, We're going to have debate. I thought um, on the SEC Network earlier in the week, Greg McElroy and Marcus Spears uh, did a really good job of actually showing a bunch of highlights from Marcus's career at LSU. And Marcus at the end said, I'd have been called for targeting three or four times because the game has to change. That's why when we're dealing with something as serious as, as these issues around um, uh, the head uh, and the neck area and injuries that can come, uh, I think that uh, type of treatment wasn't what we certainly hope to see. So you're on the bike. I just I'm I'm always fascinated by this. You see, like you are. Uh, we have a good relationship. It's not a surprise to anybody who's listening right, right now. You love working at the SEC, but as a commissioner, you're not usually like somebody wearing a, t- a, a t-shirt saying, "Hey, you know, uh, kiss my ass, Greg Sankey," or whatever it said in 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 French. And you're just there. I always think this is interesting. Before I get to your reaction, I always say the first time that I remember feeling like I was a part of a story that I didn't anticipate being a part of a story was, this is probably a decade ago, I grew up a University of Tennessee fan. And so I would go on the message boards there and see like, what's the latest on recruiting or, uh, uh, you know, what's the latest on, you know, the, the latest uh, uh, surrounding University of Tennessee. And I'd scroll down and just kind of see what people were talking about on the message boards. And I still remember the first time I just happened to look down and the headline was, Clay Travis is a huge ass, I hope he dies, or something like that, right? Like that was the, the thread and people were like debating something that I had said. And it was a strange feeling to feel like yourself is suddenly a part of the story because you're sitting there in an isolated situation, like looking at your computer screen and people are debating what they think about you. I imagine that same feeling in some ways for you. You're there on your bike getting a workout in the morning before big games. Next thing you know, James Carville, who helped get Bill Clinton elected, is ripping you and impugning you and wearing a T-shirt saying you need to kiss his ass. Like that had to be sort of a surreal moment, right? Well, I think stepping away from the moment, because I'm not, I don't want to give anyone else more 15 minutes of fame moments. Um, <laughs> the reality is, when I stepped into this job, you know, you mentioned my Twitter account. So I had a, a long debate with staff and myself, do you keep that? Because 
it can be a, a relatively toxic platform. But yet there's there's value in that. You understand uh, that you're subject to criticism, and everybody shouldn't be happy with me. Otherwise, I'm, I'm not doing the job well. And we're, we're going to have those moments. I think my, my representation to fans is you have to take a step back. There's a, there's a time, Clay, when my pulse rate used to jump up and my blood pressure would increase at moments. And I had a friend one time when a story hit Sports Illustrated years ago uh, when I was in a different role at the SEC asked, hey, does that really affect your day? I said, you know, the first couple of years I was here, it would. And now like I'm watching that. My pulse rate doesn't increase. My blood pressure, other than the fact I'm working out, isn't altered. Uh, uh, there's a feeling in, in that circumstance of disappointment, but you accept the fact that there's criticism. And what we're going to do is focus on continuing what we've achieved, which is to make the Southeastern Conference as successful uh, as we possibly can in, in as many ways as we possibly are able. How good of a deal does CBS have to get your SEC game of the week right now? I mean, how good of a, how good of a package do you feel like you're putting out there on a week to week basis? Last week is a great example where you've got a double header featuring two top ten teams. They get the SEC title game. How good of a product do you think you're putting out there, and how fortunate do you think CBS is to have it? Well, from the evaluation of product, I think we we present the most compelling college football games. There may be a few of our our colleagues who might have a game or two that rides close to our level. Uh, but I was looking at the TV ratings this morning. Obviously, the rating for uh, the Alabama LSU was significant. Uh, even earlier in the day, we had an uptick year-to-year, year-over-year comparison to the, the Georgia-Kentucky game the previous week with Georgia-Florida. And I could go through the list, you know, the Georgia at LSU, uh, Texas A&M and Alabama. Uh, and those are our CBS 330 Eastern window games or that, that one prime time appearance. And I know we bring great value to all of our broadcast partners, be it CBS and ESPN. Uh, I think you've written, and, and the reality is that uh, there's probably more value there than than uh, what we access. But we made a deal with our eyes wide open, and uh, we're working to prepare for the next opportunity to, to maximize uh, the revenue that flows. Because, again, I think we present the most compelling college football and I think in men's basketball this year you will see incredibly compelling games throughout the the southeastern conference season in January and February to give some context uh the Alabama LSU games the most watched college football game of the year aired on CBS in primetime it almost equaled nearly exactly the number of people who watched the Dallas Cowboys play against the Tennessee Titans on Monday Night Football on ESPN. So that kind of contextualizes for people out there who may not really understand audience. How excited are you to eventually be able to see what the value of the SEC game of the week and the SEC title game might be? Yeah, my focus is on preparing for that opportunity. Um, again, our, our current partners, we went into these agreements uh, wide open, with our eyes wide open. We're going to support them appropriately. But I also look to the future and have had opportunities, Clay, over the last uh, year and a half, really two years, to visit with media leaders in all different settings, particularly those in this emerging technology group, just trying to understand uh, where they might be headed from a sports standpoint. You know, there's, there's a need for learning. And, and being sophisticated, uh, I expect soon you'll see um, uh, a public announcement from us about engaging with a media advisor, and that's a long look. So the fact it's a ways off um, 
tamps down the excitement. The fact that there is an opportunity uh, creates interest and is motivating us to repair even today. Last question for you. We're talking with SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. Uh, I know you've met with Tim Cook a couple of times. You mentioned kind of meeting with tech companies in general. What's the impact when a guy is an Auburn grad like Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, is, and you're going in to talk to him about something that he already loves? Potentially, maybe Apple wants to get involved down the road with the SEC. How much does that help where somebody's already a fan of the content that you guys are putting out? Well, the, we're, we're, we're all, uh, if you will, business people, regardless of our, our, our alma maters. And it almost gets back to the question about the conspiracy theories and, and treatment of teams. Uh, we all have responsibilities. So Tim has a responsibility to, to make wise decisions for uh, Apple, regardless of his alma mater. It, it was interesting, to, and I've had a couple of encounters with him, sometimes around games, uh, to know that, that he cares, uh, which is great, that he cares about Auburn's football program. He pays attention uh, to uh, Auburn's entire athletics program. Um, and it's interesting because it's, it's not just Apple, but in new media companies. I've encountered SEC graduates in, in high-level positions with, with almost every one of these new new and uh well, they're probably past emerging, right? When they're when they're at one trillion in value or, or more, so they're not emerging companies. But these, uh, the, we'll say, trendier media opportunities all have SEC alums uh, highly placed. So each of those conversations is important and meaningful. Yet they're they're business people at the end of the day that want to make the right decisions for their circumstances. I know That's I said important. last I know I said last question, but I've actually got one more for you. Alabama through nine games has been as dominant as any college football team of all time. Does any part of you worry that Alabama's dominance could be bad for the SEC? I've been asked that over the years because they've, they're one of the teams that's been on a great run. The reality, Clay, though, is we've had five different teams over the last what, 10, 12 years playing national championship games. You, know, you look at last year's national championship game that goes to overtime. Auburn was in our conference championship game against Georgia. Uh, this is almost the first time I've been asked the one-team conference question, which we're not. The level of competition, I think, in the SEC across the board is higher. When I look at other conferences, I can see where they uh, have one-team situations. Right now, we've got uh, an incredibly competitive conference, and, and Alabama on the West has distanced, distanced itself uh, and, and perhaps in a way from college football, but in any one of these games, uh, anything may happen from a competitive uh, outcome circumstance. I don't know if he'll read him, but you can find him on Twitter at Greg Sankey. Go follow him. I appreciate you starting your morning with us. And by the way, congratulations on the 30-year wedding anniversary. That is SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. Go reach out to him. I don't know if he'll read the mentions, like I said, at Greg Sankey on Twitter. I am Clay Travis. Final segment of the show up next. We'll unpack and unravel and discuss that uh, conversation with Greg Sankey and get you ready for Thursday night football with the Panthers going on the road against the Steelers. This is OutKick. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Welcome back, Geico Outkick Studios. Never a good look when you untuck a long, bulky dress shirt. That's why Untuck It makes shirts specifically designed to be worn untucked. Go to untuckit.com to see the new fall arrivals. Untuckit.com, your solution to perfecting casual. 
Use promo code CLAY, that's C-L-A-Y, for 20% savings. And we're brought to you by Discover Card. Become a new card member, and Discover Card will match all the cash back you've earned dollar for dollar at the end of your first year. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Eddie Garcia, what you got for me, my man? Well, we got the uh, Geico scoreboard for you, and also our Geico play of the day coming from the Raptors-Kings game in the NBA. Leonard splitting defenders, getting into the lane at the rim! Kawhi Leonard with a burst of speed and a strong finish at the 10 as the Raptors go up 13, Kawhi with 17. Call from the Raptors Radio Network. Those are Geico Player of the Day in the 114-105 win for the Raptors over the Kings Toronto NL League Best 11-1 on the year. News from the NFL where the New Orleans Saints and former Dallas Cowboys star wide receiver Des Bryant reportedly agree on a one-year deal. The NHL season continues tonight with the Boston Bruins hosting the Vancouver Canucks at, at 7 o'clock Eastern. That's our Discover Card Key matchup. Speaking of matchups, become a new card member and Discover Card will match all the cash back you've earned dollar for dollar at the end of your first year. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Back to Clay Travis in the Geico Outkick Coverage Studios. My thanks from Eddie uh, Garcia there. I got to say, really good stuff from Greg Sankey. Go follow him on Twitter at Greg Sankey, uh, Commissioner of the Southeastern Conference. Good guy all around. I thought really interesting information that he gave us there as we worked through uh, many of the controversies of college football, particularly the targeting rule, and also the value of that SEC uh, Game of the Week package that CBS has right now. Maybe Apple, maybe Netflix, maybe uh, Facebook. It's curious to think about who might be willing to jump into the table there and come up aggressively to, to bid a lot more money than what CBS pays CBS pays only $55 million a year um, uh, for that entire package, including the SEC title game. It's the best deal of all of sports. And when you really break it down, for instance, the numbers I just told you, the same number of people effectively watched Alabama LSU Saturday night college football as watched Monday night football this past Monday. So Monday night football, they pay, ESPN does, $2 billion a year for Monday Night Football, the SEC game of the week is $55 million. Wild to think about. Um, And that's a story worth following if you're interested in sports media and business. Who could end up buying that away from CBS when that deal comes up? The expectation is they're not going to stay at CBS. I want to finish off the show today uh, saying for a lot of you who are waking up on the West Coast, we've got another mass shooting there are reports that as many as 13 people have been killed in uh, in Thousand Oaks, California at a bar and restaurant club there. And I just tweeted out this. Uh, Ventura County Sheriff Sergeant Ron Hellis, or Helus, uh, killed as he responded to stop the mass shootings at Borderline Bar and Grill in Thousand Oaks, California. 29-year veteran nearing retirement, uh, one year away from retiring. He's a dad um, and he's a husband. Uh, he died a hero. He went in to save other people. That's a direct quote. He was killed in this shooting. What I would ask all of you to do, it's a small thing. How do you respond to mass shootings? I believe we should be sharing the people who are the heroes, not the people who are the crazy killers. We make the killers famous. I think we should make the heroes famous instead. So I have tweeted this out. Obviously, a lot of people waking up in the Los Angeles area that will be dealing with this and the losses for years to come. Uh, but why not share this police officer's name and image instead of the name and the image of the shooter 
studies have shown the reason why people do mass shootings is so the media will make them famous. Don't do it. I won't do it. I'd encourage all of you and your social media accounts to avoid doing it as well. Prayers up for everybody out there across the nation. Thank you for spending your Thursday mornings with us. I am Clay Travis. This is OutKick, the coverage. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry radio discover more shows and movies for free at- 